For I am for I'm already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, I have kept the faith. Finally, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give me on that day, and not, o- not to me only, but also to all who have loved his appearing. Good morning. It is good to see each of you. If you're a guest this morning, again, we welcome you. It encourages us that you're here and we hope that we can be an encouragement to you. We want to invite you to be a part of a class that we have. It's called Get Connected and we're inviting all of our guests to be a part of that. It helps you uh, to learn a little bit about us and us to learn about you and we can better get connected in doctrine and in practical purposes and relationships and Uh, We hope that you'll visit and be a part of that class. It's up on the third floor. It'll follow this service. It's at 915 every Sunday. And and, uh, we invite you to any of our Bible classes. We'd love to have you to be a part of them. That one especially targets uh, those that are visiting with us. We want to encourage everybody to be praying, to be inviting, to be planning to attend, uh, to be doing everything that you can do to help make our family day a great success this year for God's glory. It'll be this next weekend. What... Uh, a wonderful event we have to look forward to. Brother Bud Lambert is a tremendous, tremendous man of God. He digs deeply into the scriptures when he speaks. It's not just the fluffy stuff about relationships. He gets down to the meat of really what is a relationship, how God has designed relationships to be. And I assure you that you'll be challenged and that we'll all be blessed by being here. And let's make sure that we invite our friends, let's invite our neighbors, let's invite our families so that all of us can think about this very, very important topic. Keep in mind that the father and son retreat the next weekend uh, will be taking place and sign-ups are taking place at the Welcome Center today. And so be sure and sign up for that and make your plans to be a part of that. Asinger was a great golfer. He, by 1987, had been named the PGA Player of the Year. By 33 years of age, he had already won 10 major tournaments, but the very next year, he was struck with cancer. Obviously, this was a sobering time in his life, and he wrote these lines. A feeling of fear came over me. I could die from cancer. Then another reality hit me. I'm going to die anyway whether from cancer or something else. It's just a question of when. Golf suddenly became meaningless to me. All I wanted to do was live. Larry Moody, a chaplain of the professional golfers, mentioned him one day as a result of his battle with cancer. He said, Zinger, we're not in the land of the living, going to the land of the dying, We are in the land of the dying, trying to get to the land of the living. Are you ready? You see, the day we were born, our countdown began. We're in the land of the dying. But there is something so wonderful awaiting for us. We have to depart from here to arrive. We have to prepare here to arrive. 
And so the question that I must ask this morning, are you ready? This text that's been so capably read for us, it's one of the last words that we have written by Paul, by inspiration. It's the closing words of a man who knows that very soon he's going to die. It's interesting to me how Spurgeon gave a quote about this very paragraph and how he looks in three dimensions as he speaks here about Paul. And he says, Paul looked back with calm satisfaction. See, when Paul looked back on the life that he lived, although he could have regrets because he made mistakes, he had made those wrongs right with God. And because of grace, because of mercy, Paul could look back and he could be satisfied with the life that he lived. But then also, he says, he looked forward with sweet assurance. There truly is somewhere that saints are going. A place that the Lord would say, blessed or precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. God knows better than we know That there is something waiting. Oftentimes in the scriptures we call it hope. There's something so much better than here. And then Spurgeon continues describing Paul and says, And he looked around with deepest interest on the mission that had engaged his life. He had been one that believed in the way. He believed in the cause of Christianity. And even as he's penning the last few words, he's writing to those that remain in the Christian faith and he's urging them with great interest, remain faithful, keep fighting, keep running, keep the faith. This morning in our Bible classes, as we continue our series of sharing the ancient words, We're going to study about three different options that can be used if we have the opportunity to sit down and to discuss the plan of salvation with someone only in one setting. What if you only had one opportunity, one opportunity to sit down with someone? What would you say to them? Why does it matter? I mean, really, why does it matter? Why does it matter if we try to find the best thing to say to someone if we only have one opportunity? Why does it matter that we even look for the opportunity? Why does it even matter that we would think about an existence after death? Friends, this morning I hope that we can spend this time in the sermon as a motivation. But you see, the reality is I'm going to care less about what would be the best method to sit down and talk with someone unless I'm motivated by the reality, it does matter. You see, Paul didn't come to the close of his life and say, well, I wasted a lot of time being spiritual. Instead, he came to the close of his life and he talked about the things that mattered the most. Many of us have stood beside the beds of those that were dying. You don't hear individuals. Not one of us in this auditorium, I dare will say, if we know that our dying breaths are within the last few hours, we will not say, I just wish I had more possessions. 
I just wish I would have sinned more. I wish I would have spent less time in worship. Less time serving God. No. We're going to spend those moments perhaps being more thankful than we even have the ability to be at this moment. Thankful that we're ready. We're in the land of the dying, hoping to go to the land of the living. Are you ready? The Scriptures makes this plea over and over. Consider with me, if you will, Hebrews the ninth chapter and verse 27. As is appointed unto man to die once, but after this, the judgment. We are dying. We're in the land of the dying. And just as certain as death is going to be the reality that once we pass through the gateway of death, we're going to stand before the Lord on the day of judgment. We need to ask the question, are we ready? Are we consider the great teaching of Romans, the 14th chapter and 11 and 12, as it describes judgment? For it is written, as I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess God. So then each one of us will give an account of himself to God. He doesn't just say everybody is going to bow. You have two knees. Every knee is going to bow. Every tongue is going to confess that Jesus is Lord. Everyone is going to give an account. And it'll be only because of the grace of God and the mercy of God that our sins can be removed from us so that when we stand on the day of judgment, there will not be sin separating us. We won't have to give a long, long list of sins that we have committed because our sins can be forgiven. Our sins can be removed from us as far as the east is from the west. Our sins, because we have been baptized into Christ for the remission of sins, the removal of sins, or as Ananias told Paul, to be baptized to wash away those sins. In other words, that is the place and time that we first come in contact with the great grace of God that removes the guilt of the sin so that when we stand on the day of judgment, we can be ready. We can truly be ready because of God's grace. As we consider the writings of Paul here, The very first line there in verse 6 where he says, For I am ready. Paul was ready. But you remember he also had an interest in the things that were remaining on this earth. And so I hope you have your Bible open. I'd like for us to drop back and read the first five verses of this same chapter where he has a talk with Timothy about Timothy. In other words, he wants to know, Timothy, are you ready? And let's consider what he wanted Timothy to be ready in order for Timothy to continue living this faithful life. And then we'll look at Paul's words for himself where he says, I'm ready. I'm ready to depart from this life. And so we have a teaching here where Paul says, Timothy, if you do this, you're ready to live. Paul's saying, and because I've done that, I'm ready to die. I'm ready to depart. And then the question for all of us will be, are we ready to live? Are we ready to depart? Because we're in the land of the dying. The question is, 
have we made preparations for the land of the living? Let's read together the first uh, four or five verses here of 2 Timothy, the fourth chapter. It will be on page 1057 in the Bible in the pew there. If you want to turn there, 1057. He says to Timothy, I charge you, therefore, before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who will judge the living and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom. Preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Convince, rebuke, exhort with all long-suffering and teaching. Notice this warning. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, they will heap upon themselves teachers, and they will turn their ears away from the truth and be turned aside to fables. But you, be watchful in all things, endure affliction, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. It's almost as if Paul is saying here to Timothy, Timothy, are you ready? Verse 1, are you ready for his appearing? He's going to appear again. He tells you before God the Father and Jesus Christ that he's going to appear again and he's going to judge the living and the dead. What does he mean by that? Those that are alive when Jesus comes again, they won't escape the day of judgment. Those that have died before Jesus comes again, there'll be a resurrection. They won't escape the judgment. Are you ready? Are we ready for that day? But notice, he gives him also the encouragement to remain ready because others need to return too. Look with me again, if you will, at verse 2. Notice that plea there in verse 2. There are those out in the world that if someone will just preach the word, even when it's popular and when it's not popular, if they'll preach the word, and notice those three things, if they'll offer convincing words, that, that carries with it the idea of conviction. Friends, until we show individuals that there is a reason to move, they have no reason to move. We need to help individuals learn the scriptures so that they can learn of a higher standard, a better way, a hope of eternity, an almighty God that's worth living for, a righteousness versus a wickedness, a light versus a darkness, a saved versus condemnation. And so he says to Paul saying to Timothy, look about. Find people that you can convict. But notice that next phrase there in two. He says, rebuke them. In other words, there has to be some kind of correction that takes place. Warn them of the danger if they do not make that correction. But I love this third one that he adds, and exhort. The word exhort is to invite to one side. That's the appeal. Friends, we have to talk about the beauty that's on the other side. We have to talk about that land of the living. If all I know and all I ever think about is this land, this earthly, temporal existence, I'm going to grow accustomed to it. I'm going to grow satisfied with it. And I'm going to miss the heavenly home. I'm going to miss the land of the living. Somebody has to make that plea. Somebody has to make that appeal to see beyond this earth. Jesus tried to urge the apostles to see those individuals when he said, lift up your eyes. He wanted them to see the harvest for it was widened to harvest. But now I need to notice this. You see, there's a dual message when Timothy is being told by Paul, are you ready for others to turn? Are you ready to help some turn from the world? But warning, 
warning. There are going to be some among you right now, Timothy, that they're going to turn. They're going to turn away from the Lord and back into the world. They did that to Jesus in John the 6th chapter. They thought that the sayings were too hard to follow. Jesus even turned around and put his apostles on the hot seat. Will you go with them? I need to note this. If you look at the theme of verse 3 and 4, the theme is truth versus human desire. Sound doctrine versus the itching ear. The plea, of course, to Timothy as a teacher is don't change the teachings of truth in order to try to appeal to man. Stay with truth and hope that man appeals to living his life toward the truth. Let's summarize it in a way that's so easy to say, it's probably not nearly as easy to live. I'm not ready. We're talking about this morning, are you ready? I'm not ready until I'm ready to stand alone with God. That's exactly what Paul writes about later on. He writes down there in verse 10 that Demas has forsaken him. He had a brother that stood and worked with him in the ministry, but that brother left him. And he talks about Alexander the coppersmith that was the enemy that was working hard to destroy Paul and the cause of Christianity. And he says about him in 16, when he first made his defense, no one stood with me. And then he slightly corrects himself in 17 and says, but the Lord stood with me. Friends, it's wonderful that all of us are here this morning and so many are faithful, dedicated Christians. But do you realize there's some here this morning and no one else in their family would stand with them? They are an example for all of us. They literally, by their example, are saying, if you won't stand, I'll stand alone with God. There are individuals here this morning that go into workplaces and they are the only ones that stand as a faithful Christian. You see, they're entering that workplace and they're saying, I'm ready. I'm ready to live the Christian life. I'm ready on the other side. And even if no one else stands with me, I'm ready. We can flip through old directories and we can see individuals that one time sat on the pews beside us and now they no longer believe that the cause is worthy of their life but you've remained. You've remained because you believe that the teaching that Paul gave Timothy is true. That even when others desert, the cause is still worthy of our life. Friends, until we can say, I'm ready to stand with God no matter who does or who doesn't. I'm ready to stand with God. But now let's think for just a few moments about Paul. Paul also talked about being ready himself. And he knew that his life was coming to an end. He knew that he would be executed very soon for the cause of Christianity. And with this, Paul said, I'm ready. But notice at the end of verse 6, he said, for my departure is at hand. In other words, will soon or shortly come to pass. Paul knew that he was ready and he knew time was short. James, the fourth chapter, teaches us that for all mankind, time is short. James says it's but a vapor that here for a little while, but then vanishes away. 
this morning, I need to realize that time is short. Time's short for a few reasons. One, it's short because we don't know when we're going to die. You've heard me say it before, but I think it's worth emphasizing again. If we think that the next one to die in this audience is going to be the one that's the oldest in this audience, that has been proven wrong over and over and over and over. We don't know who will be the next to pass from this audience. We don't know if we have a full week on this earth or even a full day or a full year or a full decade. We do know this beyond any shadow of a doubt that from yesterday to today, you and I are one day closer to eternity. We have one less day, but we also know that time is short because we don't know when Jesus is going to return again. He says it'll be like a thief in the night in the principle that it's unexpected, it's unannounced. We don't know when it'll be. You see, it may be that not just that life will be short for you and I on this earth because of death. It may be that life in existence on this earth is short for everyone. Jesus is coming again. I also need to be aware of the fact that God can work in hearts that are tender. But yet, if I continue to put off God, that my heart can grow callous and cold. Has there ever been a time in your life when you stood at the invitation song and you've gripped the pews and you've shifted from side to side, foot to foot, because you knew that you needed to make your life right with God? But the weeks went by, the months went by, and you gripped the pew with just a little less tension. You stopped shifting just a little more. Isn't it interesting that you've not made any changes in your life, but now you're comfortable? You're comfortable in your sin. What's happened? What's happened? Your heart is growing calloused and cold. Friends, I need to recognize the fact that life is short. And I need to recognize that Satan will work, urging us not to be ready. Why? Why could Paul say, I'm ready? He could say, I'm ready because he said he was ready to be poured out like a drink offering. When we read Numbers, the 15th chapter, we read about several offerings. At the end of those offerings, they would offer a drink offering. It'd be probably a type of wine that would be poured over the coals. And you can imagine that whenever it's poured over the coals, how there would be a quick vapor. And then that offering would vanish away. It's interesting of all the ways he could have described the end of his life. In other words, he's saying, I'm ready to be poured out. If you were carrying a little basket of apples and you stumbled or you dropped the basket and a dozen apples rolled across the ground, that's not a very good analogy of the end of life, is it? Because all you have to do is pick up the 12 apples, put them back in the basket, and you're carrying them again. Put a gallon of water in a bucket. Walk through the yard and stumble. Drop the bucket and spill it. Now try to scoop that water back. That bucket of water is gone. Never to be collected again. Of all the offerings Paul could compare his life to at this point, 
He compared his life at this point to the offering that once it's poured out, there would be no possible way to to retrieve it. Friends, we only get one pass at this earth. We only get one opportunity at today. We only get one opportunity to live this life, to die, and to stand before the Lord on the day of judgment. Are you ready? Wait a minute. We've been talking about ready a whole lot this morning. Really, what are we talking about? Are are you ready for what? And of all the words Paul could have used, Paul says, ready to depart. Now keep in mind, you've studied the Bible enough probably. You know Paul very well. Paul doesn't mind being bold, does he? He doesn't mind calling an ace an ace. He he doesn't mind using strong words. Do you think Paul was trying to hold back here and he was writing and he said, hmm, I hate to use such a strong word like death. Oh, I don't want to say I'm ready to die. What would be a nice word? Oh, I'm ready to pass away. No, no, no. Listen, there's a reason why he chose the word that he chose. It painted the picture of what Paul wanted to be ready for. Paul knew that his life was not coming to an end. He knew that his soul, that was Paul, was departing from this body and going home. A departure. You know, Tracy and I will celebrate our 20th anniversary this week. In just a few hours, we have a departure time from Nashville Airport. What does that mean? I don't think anybody here confused that with a funeral, did you? What is a departure time? It is the time that you have announced that you're leaving point A and you're going to point B. And and most of the time we think of that being a very positive thing, a very wonderful thing. Can you imagine all the times Paul was on his missionary journeys and he talked to groups about the time that he would depart? Maybe he says to Troas, I'm going to stay and worship with you till Sunday, but I'm going to depart Monday morning. Or maybe he goes down and meets a captain of a ship and he says, I'd like to be able to pay the fare and, and ride your vessel. What time do you depart? Paul knew the word depart very well. He knew that there was a trip planned. He knew that he was leaving the land of the dying and that he was going to the land of the living and he couldn't wait to depart. Philippians, the first chapter, he actually even points out the fact that he had more desire to depart than he did to remain. He believed that point B was much better than earth, point A. And the only reason he wanted to remain on point A was to help other people to be ready so they could depart and go to the land of the living? I believe that when you look at this word depart, there would have been things like this that could have very easily run through Paul's mind. I believe he would have thought about being free. Finally, he's free from all the burdens of this earth to eternal bliss with God the Father. He was one that yoked himself with Jesus Christ and he worked in the ministry. And any of us that have seen Uh, mules or horses work all day in the harness and you pull them off at the end of the day, how they shake their head and they shake their body like a dog that's wet, shaking off the, the sweat. They go in, they eat their grain. They might even trot around the pasture a little bit and roll around 
Why? Because the day is over and and they're ready to rest. Revelation 14 and verse 13, that those that die in the Lord, they rest from their labors and their works do follow them. Second Corinthians, the fifth chapter, he talks about being in this body and he calls it a tent. And he says, as long as I'm here, I groan. I'm looking for that home where I'll be given a new body that's made for eternity. And then he's saying, I'm going to stop being a participant in the ministry on this earth. Remember Hebrews 12? The cloud of witnesses. Cloud of those that have gathered around to say, I'm going to live for the cause of Christ, even if it costs me my life. That's where the word witness comes from, martyr. When they'll make a stand, even if it costs their life. He says, I'm ready to pass from the arena. And I'm ready to go up into the stands for a little while. I'm ready to be a part of the witnesses. Paul says, I'm ready to part. I've got a trip planned. It's a good trip. I look forward to it. It's going to be so much better than on this earth. Let's skip a slide and let's ask ourselves as we close this lesson, are we ready? As we think about are we ready, we think about what he said to Timothy. There is coming a day where Jesus is going to return and he's going to judge the living and the dead. No one will escape that. Are you ready? There'll be those that'll come. They want to serve. There'll be those that'll leave. And sometime it may be a family member. It may be a good friend. It may be a brother or sister in Christ that we would have thought would have never left the Lord. The question this morning is not, will you answer for everybody around you? The question this morning is, no matter what others do, are you ready? Are you ready recognizing that life in reality is short? Are you ready recognizing that we're like a drink offering? We pour through life one time. And that's it. Are you ready to depart? Friends, the best by far is yet to come for those who died in the Lord. Why would you want to study about how to be saved? Because the reality is that is all that matters when you're breathing your last few breaths. If you've never become a child of God as a believer, willing to repent, be baptized into Christ, come out of that water to live for the Lord, to be ready, won't you do that this morning? Maybe you've been baptized and, and you live for the Lord, but somewhere along the way, you lost that way and you know that you're not ready. Will you come back to the Lord on His terms, confessing sin and praying forgiveness as one that has repented? If we can help you this morning, be ready. Please come as we stand and as we sing. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided.
are thankful this morning to have the opportunity to pray for one of our sisters, Lindsay, 